It's the Renegades Rant Podcast with your host, the Kentucky Renegade. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you want to start your own podcast, go to anchor.fm or to your phone's app stores and download Anchor today. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am very excited about our next guest. Uh, If you've been listening to me, you know I've been doing a lot of promoting of this organization and it's change unchained and i am bringing on the co-founder troy yulshifer welcome to the Very show good. thank you thank you. you you nailed the name i'm happy about that part <laughs> yeah i just had to make sure how to pronounce that uh, every German <laughs> name's a little bit different yeah and it's got like silent letters in there the whole nine so it, it's a tongue twister <laughs> yeah so how are you doing today my friend I'm doing good. We spent the day out here on the ranch celebrating Mother's Day. Uh, we got a couple, uh, not just my wife, but we have a couple other mothers staying out here on the ranch. So we spent the day planting wildflowers, then went to a very terrible uh, Mexican restaurant that had five stars on Yelp, and it deserved one. And then we went bowling. <laughs> well, that's 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 good. I love bowling. <laughs> bowling used to be my thing. Uh, I used to be a, a state can contender in high school so i was a really good bowler i'm intrigued by that bro i'm not lying because i don't understand like there is a lot of talent behind bowling because there was four of us that were bowling today and i won and i scored a 70 (laughs) so like i i my goal is like whenever we go bowling which is very very rare i don't try to find a ball that fits my fingers I find the seven pound ball and I whip that son of a bitch like it's a watermelon <laughs> as fast as I can and just praise it doesn't go in the gutter because if it hits those pins, they're spraying like a grenade. Yes. And I, that's one thing I, I used to love about it, too, because whenever I would get mad, I throw that damn ball as hard as I could and just watch the pins explode. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it's right. Like I'm trying that's to exactly throw that right. damn ball through that backstop. <laughs> <laughs> Man, kudos to you for knowing how to do that on a on a better level, man. Because I I just don't get it. I I I suck horribly. Well, if it wasn't for my parents, my parents, I grew up in a bowling alley because my parents were in bowling leagues, so I was constantly there. And my mentor, he was my dad's best friend. He showed me how to bowl and taught me how to do the angles and how to study and read lanes, the different kinds of lanes you bowl on, the different kinds of oils they use. Pause. And- hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. Are you saying that like, there are different types of lanes that you could walk into and be like, oh, yeah, this is a that kind of lane and walk into another alley and there's a different type of lane and you could recognize it just by viewing it? Yeah, I've been taught how to do that. There's <laughs> there's like old wood lane, bowling lanes. There's a polyurethane lanes. They, and they're using all kinds of different stuff now. Um, Bro, you're like the real life Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i carried a 206 average so oh my god so i i assume that's pretty good right because the best i bowled was has been like i think i hit triple digits once in my life <laughs> yeah but i mean i was i was doing that since i was like a young little pup so i mean i i grew into it i learned how to do it and i never bowled a 300 i got 299 that was the the best i did and i hit it twice 
and it was a damn ten pin every time would fuck me <laughs> over and keep me from getting it. <laughs> but well, that's uh, pretty damn good, my friend. But yeah, I mean, uh, bowling's fun, but it's so damn expensive to go do now, like anything else. It, it is. So um, yeah, you bring that up. We we rented the lane for an hour, four sets of shoes, and it was like seventy two dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's unreal. I mean, I remember the days in the summer times that you quarter a game. Yeah, it, it, for... is, it is not that now. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Joe Biden. <laughs> no shit, right? But uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Now, uh, I've been promoting you uh, every podcast. I have like a little promo I do, and then I have like end of show ads I, I do for you. And uh, a couple other organizations. And what you and Tiffany are doing, I am 100% behind you guys. It's amazing that we have amazing people like you out here going after human traffickers and also taking care of those who are surviving these things. Yeah. So let's get your backstory a little bit so the people who are listening kind of understand where you've come from to where you are today yeah and i can i can actually kind of blend the two things together um so i just retired i'm a 20-year uh retired navy chief petty officer i just retired this past march 25th i mean i've been retired for the length of a hiccup um and thank you for your for your service yes sir yes sir thank you for saying that um so i spent 20 years in the navy uh, I joined right after 9-11, you know, right in that real tall patriotic wave that, that our country was on. And if you're my age, which is 45, and you were miller, military recruitment age back in, you know, 01, 02, 03 time frame, you'll remember that time in our country. It, it was vastly different than the current state of affairs. I could say that. Um, and so every male you chauffeur, uh, I grew up in San Diego. Um, every male you chauffeur has been a squid. So I ended up, I was morbidly obese when we went into OIF, OEF. And uh, that very much motivated me to lose 140 pounds. I joined the Navy. I've been a greenside corpsman the majority of my career. Um, if you fast forward to 2010, it's the first time I got stationed in Pensacola, Florida. So I was a, I was a boot E5 here. Um, I had a couple of sons at the time. They were ages, uh, God, 12, 13, 11, 12, right in that area. And I spent six years here in Pensacola. I did back-to-back duty, sta- duty stations in the Pensacola area. And this is the place where my sons grew up. This is where they did the last years of elementary, all of junior high, and then a majority of high school. I love and, Pensacola, uh, Florida, by the way. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to vacation is down there in Destin, Fort Walton Beach, Navarre area. I love all yeah, that area down there. It was. The, it, I was told when I got these orders that it was the best kept secret in the Navy. And I'm like, nah, it can't be better than like, you know, someplace in SoCal or Hawaii or, or things. No, man. Is it Pensacola, I have nothing bad to say about serving in pensacola it was it was a wonderful time beautiful place best beaches and they're talking to a socal kid this is the best beaches i've seen in the in least the lower 48 i don't think they'll compare to hawaii but here stateside it's uh they're beautiful so i'm stationed here and my wife and i uh got involved 
arbitrarily just like through a friend of a friend said, hey, would you like to do some advocacy work as your volunteer hours? Because everybody knows if you're in the military, uh, it doesn't mean that your volunteerism isn't worth anything, but you're kind of coaxed into working volunteer hours to help with your eval, break away from your peers for advancement, so on and so forth. And so that's how it kind of started in 2011. I started volunteering for an organization in Pensacola, my wife and I both, doing advocacy work for um, an anti-human trafficking organization here in the Gulf Coast. So it was just like awareness trainings, very, very superficial top tier stuff when it came to uh, the fight or combating human trafficking, right? <clears throat> and my wife and I did that from 2011 to 2016. And when 2016 rolled around, uh, we got PCS, I, we PCS to the West Coast. I became the medical chief for a Marine Corps unit. Uh, but our, we became so enthralled with this anti-exploitation, anti-trafficking work uh, that we continued doing it on the West Coast through it by another means. And again, though, this was still very superficial, you know, traveling around, giving awareness trainings at schools, churches, military bases, things of that nature. And then uh, I got my next set of orders. So I, let me let me just warn your viewership and yourself real quick. So things are going to get really kind of dark for a minute. I promise that this story that I'm going to tell you has a happy ending. Um, but it wouldn't make sense what my wife and I do now if I don't tell you the full story of what transpired. So in December of 2019, uh, I got orders to a different uh, Marine Corps unit. And at that time, both of my sons had graduated high school. And they were going to stay behind at this other duty station location. And we were going to be empty nesters. They were going to become adults and go do, you know, spread their wings and fly. And it was just my wife and I that were PCSing to this new duty station. Again, this is the end of December in 2019. So I don't think I have to remind you what March of 2020 was like, which was three short months after we moved. Right? We don't have to go through all that bullshit again. Right. Like March of 2020, the world changed. Everything changed. And we were a state away from our two children who were on their own for the first time. And everything I'm about to tell you, I've told this story a million times, but I always preface it with, I have the permission of everybody that's involved in this story, know that I tell this story and they're okay with me telling what I tell. So with that being said, um, we were into the first week of the lockdown, which is, I don't know, second, third week of March. It's really a moot point. And my youngest son calls his mother and I. And he was driving 75 miles per hour into oncoming traffic in Denver. So we had PCS out of the call out of Colorado and he was calling us to say goodbye. Uh, he just had had enough and he was going to take his life and he was calling us to say goodbye. And luckily we, we were able to talk him off the ledge. Nobody got hurt. He didn't hurt himself, nor did he hurt someone else. Um, but the fact remained we were like what the, what the hell is going on you know once we got him in a safe location we we asked our son like what what led to this because we did not see any any signs um 
And it was revealed that when we were stationed in Pensacola, when he was in the middle of junior high, there was an authority figure that was trafficking and exploiting our son. Damn. So there's a lot to unravel there. One, let's start with the fact that the parents that are traveling around and are the quote unquote human trafficking people, it was happening in their own home. Let's, let's just start right there. Yes. I've had to go through my own therapy. Yes. I'm still doing it. Like that's a, as a father there, that is to me, it was unforgivable for the longest time. Um, you know, that's our job. That's like, we're the fucking protectors. And, 100%. I, and, and not only are we the protectors, but I'm telling other parents, look for X, Y, and Z, look for these signs. And it's not like when I, when I travel around, I give human trafficking awareness seminars, right? Um, I usually pick one person out of the crowd and I'll say, when I say the term human trafficking, what do you think of? And your listeners can do this and they can do it quietly in their mind as, as they listen to this. When I say human trafficking, what in your mind's eye is it that you see? And typically that person I call on will say something that looks like a scene out of the movie Taken, right? With Liam Neeson. It's it's a little girl. There's a cage involved. There's probably a basement, maybe some Russian operatives, a hostel in Germany, something to that effect, right? And don't get me wrong. Those things happen. We've seen those things. But the majority of cases of child exploitation and child human trafficking has nothing to do like they go home my son didn't miss coming home any night he wasn't bound in a cage in some location like he came home every night and and it was it was devastating it was devastating so my wife immediately packed her bags and went and picked my son up got in her car went and picked our son up again country is in the first or second week of this lockdown like nobody knows what the hell is going on we still owned our home in pensacola and pensacola is home for us it's where we have a support system it's where we have a family uh all those things and again we still owned a home here where we had moved to we had purchased a tiny home so we couldn't bring him to that there would have been there was no there was just no room for him So my wife picked him up and came back to Pensacola uh, in late March of 2020 in order to, uh, an array of things. One, get his uh, aftercare services implemented, start getting him the therapy, the treatment, also look towards getting criminal charges against certain individuals. Um, But I was stuck back on the West Coast with my unit. And besides the fact that this was going on with my family and with my son, I was now alone in a tiny house and a country that was uh, like, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Well, my first sergeant at the unit was like, they understood what was happening. And, you know, obviously I, I debriefed my CO, my XO, my first sergeant. And they're like, why don't you apply for what's called hums orders? So if you're not familiar with it, or if your listeners aren't familiar with HUMS orders, it's short for humanitarian orders. And the Navy has this program that if there is a situation with a sailor that requires their physical 
presence to be relocated somewhere in order to deal with a family crisis. For instance, like if it was a, a, a single mom had a child who was a sailor and she got terminal cancer, that son could apply for HUMS orders. And no matter where he's at in the world, the Navy would pluck him up and just let him go take care of his mom for X amount of months, whatever the Navy deemed. Well, I submitted for that. And the Navy did find our situation so egregious because of the details of this case, which I don't have to get into. Just know that the fact that the Navy plucked me up in April of 2020 when nobody was moving, and I mean no one, nobody was getting PCS orders in the military. There was no troop movement at that time. They said, yes, we are going to end your current orders of which you've only been there for four months. And we are going to cut you new orders for one year for you to go to Pensacola. And I was assigned to a unit on NAS Pensacola, but only for mustering purposes. They took care of me administratively. They made sure I was alive each morning. But the Navy allowed me for one year to go and deal with this issue with my son every day. I was there with him for every counseling, every therapy every meeting with law enforcement, every everything. I got to walk this out with him step by step. And I told you it was going to be dark for a little bit, but let me put it, let me kind of put a sunshine bow on top of this aspect. My son is doing fantastic. He's got a wonderful job at Navy Federal. He's engaged. Uh, he just got a promotion. He's back in college. Um, things for him have really, uh, progressed and he's done a lot of healing that's so awesome. it, it is it is and I'll, I'll kind of pause here in case you have any questions if not i'll kind of I'll, I'll fast forward and how do we we got to the ranch well first is uh i'm glad the navy and the military did that for you um the fact that you would be on the opposite side of the the country and what that going through your head trying to take that all in of what you just found out about your son. It, I mean, number one, I'm glad you're still here um, yeah. because there's a lot of people that would not be able to deal with that situation. Yeah. Um, that is one thing that the military will instill into you. But when you're dealing with your own personal family, that's just a situation that no one can really address to you other than you and your wife and your, your family. But, yeah, the fact that the military allowed you to come back and to take care of things that way, much respect to the Navy for doing that for you. Yeah, and offer, you know, we military members, we, we talk a lot of shit about our branches, about the military. Um, but, but I will forever be grateful to the U.S. Navy for what they did for me and my family, just a full stop, period. They, they put me through a lot of shit. My body is beat to hell. My VA disability rating is high and not because I had to fake anything or try to exacerbate or exaggerate anything when I retired. Like I, I really am kind of, I'm beat up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of deployments that I have under my belt. I spent a number of years in the Middle East uh, in the mid 2000s, but. And were you in I, the medical units over, overseas? Yeah, so so I was a greenside corpsman. So typically, I was deployed with uh, with the Marines over there, bandaging up their them knuckleheads and pushing them back out in the fight. 
I got you. So you've you've had to deal with a lot of trauma yourself. Um, <laughs> you've had to deal what you've had to deal with. I worked yeah, five and a half years in the ER as a a tech three. So yeah, so you see, get it. Yeah, I, I get that part of it. But uh, I didn't see any military stuff, but I did see shootings and shit like that come through. So yeah, anything you see like that, it, it's traumatic. So yeah, I could only imagine course. what you've seen. Yeah, yeah, it, but but it, but again, I can't I can't say it enough times because there will be times like how do how do I word this? I'm trying to think. I want to make sure I don't sound contradictory. I, I'm grateful for what the Navy has done and has continued to do for my family. I don't necessarily trust our government fully <laughs> all the time for whatever <laughs> that's worth. Right. Um, um, and I understand that I worked for an arm of that. I was part of that machine. I was a cog in that wheel. Um, but for this thing, for this aspect of my life and this dire situation, they fucking came through for me. And uh, so anyway, super forever grateful for that. All right. Now you can go ahead and uh, continue. Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually, so it's, it's late April. I've packed up our tiny house by myself and uh, I'm heading back to Pensacola on my own. And when I was in Pensacola before from 2010 to 2016, I ran an outdoor fitness boot camp. So I became a certified personal trainer. I ran a very lucrative, very popular uh, outdoor fitness boot camp during that time. And uh, I was a father in the midst of like this shit storm. Like I did, I was already working in the world of child exploitation and child trafficking. Now it's happened to my son. The world is upside down. My career is my Navy career is on full pause for at minimum a year as I deal with this. And I have this ball of energy and angst inside of me that I need to displace. I need to do something. So with all of that said, as I'm driving this U-Haul from the West Coast to Pensacola, I stop in this dingy shit hotel outside of Dallas, Texas. I think it was like $30 a night because I wanted to save my per diem. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just start sketching and I sketched. Uh, I sketched this logo, and the, and the logo ended up being our Change Unchained logo. It's a letter C, and then the letter U, but the U is chain links, and the bottom chain links of the U are breaking. And what I decided to do was I was going to start that fitness boot camp again, of which when I ran it before, like I was not a cheap personal trainer. Like if you wanted to come to these classes that I was putting on, it like you paid for my services and I decided I'm going to do this for free to the general public. And the only thing that they have to do to pay me back for five classes a week was I was going to bring in a nonprofit in the Gulf coast area every Friday at the end of class that dealt with child exploitation and child trafficking. And these people that attended the class had to be there and sit there for 10 minutes and listen to these experts and subject matter experts and people that ran these 501c3s tell them about their organizations and then how they could volunteer and get involved. And I was like, that's going to be my extra little piece of the pie of what we're going to do. 
And you have to remember, so I ended up kicking the boot camp off in July of 2020. Thankfully, Pensacola is in the state of Florida. Because if I'm you gatherings in July of 2020, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? If you However, were in California still, <laughs> there, that would never even happen. Right. But I wasn't. I was in a state that was a lot. There was a lot more laxed rules on on their covid stance. And the, it popped off like the boot camp exploded. And the media coverage came in. The nonprofits were getting volunteers at the Wazoo. And one of the organizations that came in and spoke is an organization called Called to Rescue. And it's based out, it's based out of Pensacola. And it's ran by uh, a retired master chief named Brad Dennis, who, in my opinion, and anybody's opinion who's ever worked with this man, is the leading subject matter expert on search and rescue for missing, trafficked, and exploited kids. He is a retired crypto tech that has been doing this since 1992. He shies away from any type of uh, accolades, any type of, he doesn't really do media. He, like, he doesn't want to do any of that. Um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want any pats on the back or people to think, he just, he just puts his nose to the grindstone and works. And so we had met in passing when I was stationed in Pensacola before, just because of what I, my wife and I did and what he did. We were in two different parts of that world, but still in the same world. And I invited him to come and speak at the boot camp, and he did. And he was like, hey, you know, our team has uh, an, an availability for we need a medical guy on our team. Um, because we travel all over the country. This isn't something we just do in Pensacola. Uh, travel all over the country working in tandem with law enforcement. Let me hammer this point home, brother, because I, I need to make sure that whoever listens to this or anytime I get on a podcast or when I was on Vet TV a couple of weeks ago, what we do is 100% in tandem with law enforcement. It is not, we are not some vigilante group. It's that that bullshit gets no justice for the survivors. And and I already hear people on the other side of this podcast screaming like bullshit. If I was you have to remember where I'm coming from. Right. I am the father of a survivor. I understand righteous anger as much as anyone. I fucking get it. Do you not think I daydreamed about just stringing certain people up by their entrails? Of course I did. But I also needed, it wasn't about me at all. It was about my son getting justice, period. 100%. Now, is our, is our justice system flawed from time? You fucking A. Yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. But those daydreaming ideas were all self-serving. It was going to be what made Troy feel good. And this ain't about Troy. So I just, I, I want to hammer this home because I know people, people have gotten very upset at me when I've said that before, you know, they got their little pedophile hunter hat with their AR-15 patch on it. And they walk around and they're mad at me because I'm not instantly like, let's murk everyone everywhere all the time. It's not that I don't think that. It's not that I don't have that type of anger. Like, I get it. I especially get it. But I also have to not just be thinking inside of my own bubble. 
I want the full pressure of the justice system to crush these demonic predators. And I want what my son wants. And my son needed his day in court. He needed to read his victim impact statement. These are important things. Yeah, it's and part of it, therapy. It, people, exactly. don't, people don't it, get that. You have it, to be able to be able to tell your story of that. If you survive something like that, it's something you have to get out. You can't keep that shit bottled up. That That is correct. That is correct. So I, I know I, I've said it a couple of times, but I'm going to say it once more. Like, y'all, if you're listening to this and you're like, this Troy guy is full of shit, like, I... I understand where you're coming from, but please understand where I'm coming from. Like, I've worn the shoes. I've worn them. A lot of people start their stories off with, if anything happened to my kid, this is what I do. And I used to be one of those people, like, of course, like, you touch my kid, I'll fuck you up. And then, and then someone touched my kid. And that anger was there and those words still meant something, but there's other parties involved that they have a say as well. So I'm not going to beat this horse to death, Brad. So Brad with called to rescue, uh, he came and spoke, offered me a spot on his team. And the very first op I got to go on, there's different things that we do. Uh, there's search and rescue aspects. We travel the country. Uh, like every year, the week before the Super Bowl, we do an operation with the Las Vegas Human Trafficking Task Force. We're there for the week leading up to the Super Bowl in Vegas. I leave for Detroit tomorrow. Or no, not tomorrow. Tuesday. I leave for Detroit on Tuesday. We'll go there. We have ops in Minneapolis, Chicago, Orlando, Yuma, Newark, New Jersey, and then back to Vegas in November. Uh, for the first time in that time of the year because of the F1 racing that Vegas is bringing in. So typically wherever we go, there's some sort of large event that is encircling that geographical area during that time because it draws tourists and tourists unfortunately draw demand. And how this kind of works is, uh, for instance, the Detroit uh, Human Trafficking Task Force gave us uh, X amount of names of high risk missing youth. And we have a team of that has been digging on the OSINT work. So digging up any actionable Intel that we could use when we're actually physically in the area boots on the ground for you military folks. Uh, there's a team of seven people that have been digging on all these kids, finding leads, uh, finding family members, friends, uh, social media, just digging, digging, digging. And it all goes into this huge report. And then when the people on the ops team goes to these cities, we will sit down with their, with law enforcement in tandem with them again. And we will say, Hey, here's some actionable Intel on this child. We think he's here. Uh, and they'll, and we'll do things like surveillance, uh, we'll do uh, knock and talks. We'll do interviews with friends, family, parents. When it comes to the kinetic portion of a quote unquote rescue, um, we, uh, we really try not to use that word. Rescue has like a sense of finality to it. And the thing is, is that that's kind of just the beginning. And that's where the ranch comes in, which I promise I'll land this plane uh, soon with, with that. Okay. So, so the first op we did was not one of these big searches um, 
it was a sting operation with the Columbia, Mississippi Police Department. So anybody listening to this, if you Google Columbia, Mississippi Operation Sparrow, S-P-A-R-R-O-W, that was my very first operation, and it was incredibly fruitful. We were able to nab nine would-be pedophiles. So how these operations work is a week leading up to it, uh, we have a, we have dummy accounts on all kinds of different sites, uh, whether it be plenty of fish, you know, skip the games, things of that nature. And we make we there's certain wickets that have to be hit in each state. So for like Mississippi, if somebody were to hit my profile, and I tell them my age, which my profile, I was a 14 year old boy, right? Right. Once I right. once I tell them my age, uh, if they want to continue talking to me, then we move it off of the app and we'll go to something like Telegram Signal or WhatsApp. It's easier to track the conversations. Um, and then, again, for things like Mississippi, there are certain wickets that have to be hit. I have to tell them my age twice and for that individual to stick around. I have to ghost him like completely abandon the chat and for, he has to be the one that continues to try to pull me back like in, in order for the da in mississippi to to prosecute any sense of entrapment has to be taken away so so again i, I let me remind you all of this started seven days before we actually did these quote unquote takedowns and so in seven days there were three of us that had these accounts and out of the three of us in those seven days, we had about four dozen men uh, attempt to meet with us. And we set up a location for them to meet us. Nine of those people actually decided to show up. And that's about normal. Uh, a lot of people get cold feet. And I'm and great. I'm glad they did. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. they did. There, there's some sense of a conscious within them that they're like I'm about to go meet a, a underage boy like what the fuck am I doing but nine of them did not have those mental roadblocks and when they knocked on the door of the location of uh, this op in Columbia Mississippi again Operation Sparrow uh, they found they found the Columbia Sheriff's Office behind the other side of that door instead of 14 year old Cameron, which they thought they were talking to, it was 45 year old Troy. Uh, and they were, and I made sure they knew that like when they were in cuffs and sitting in another room of the house, before transportation was taking them to the holding cell. Like I made sure to go in there and be like, Hey, I'm the, I, I've been the person you've been talking to for the last week. And then you can see, you'll always see, their recollection wash over them because like think about sexting and what men typically do when sexting somebody they believe to be an interested partner like we it's it's a lot of pictures a lot of grotesque vernacular and then they're looking at this bearded you know middle-aged yeah. dude yeah. <laughs> uh so so anyway that was that was my first op that was the fall of 2020 and I continued, my wife and my wife does case management. So she was the one that would take the cases. She would do the full intake. 
she would be debriefed by law enforcement and then she would do all of the family interviewing and intel gathering for the ops teams right and as we did that for a year we kind of saw how the work goes for survivors so typically a lot of people will will post or celebrate these news articles where it says 34 people rescued in a human trafficking sting and everybody kind of throws their confetti in the air and then moves on and we're like well well what now like what's next because what we've learned about these kids is that either they were abandoned by their parents their home life was awful they're 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 children of abuse they're children that are in the system are they just going to go back into the system and be perpetually like what the fuck what is the link of events that gets these kids into a place of healing and restoration so for your listeners out there when it comes to human trafficking when you hear the word rescue yes let's celebrate it but just know it's just the beginning like it's the very tip of the very beginning because the majority of them the majority of them tend to fall back into it again if they don't get Uh care right yes because it's all about their vulnerabilities are they poor are they hungry do they need clothes do they need shelter all these things can be leveraged against them to do things that they don't want to do and so what we learned that the typical chain of events is this this rescue, quote unquote, then they go to a place called respite care. And that's about 24 to 72 hours at this very temporary place that's like a full workup is done, a physical and mental evaluations done, law enforcement reports are taken, and then they go to a state certified safe house. Typically, those programs can last anywhere from six to 18 months. That is where they get deep, intense, trauma-based therapy, uh, safe place to stay, maybe start to learn a trade or start thinking about a career or what is life going to be like after this. Um, but but that's kind of where and I'm finally going to land the plane. <laughs> we, we, we learned that most of these women and men, when they leave the state certified safe houses, still have a shit ton of vulnerabilities. They're not financially stable. They don't have any skills that translate into employment or career. Uh, They have zero education or minimal education at best. And we see the recidivism of abuse happening to the same people. There is a, there's a lady that for three years in a row in Vegas, she has been a case and I, we have found her. And that's why I hate using the word rescue because if it's, if it truly is a rescue, I wouldn't have had to do it three times. Correct. And so what, what my wife and I did was we decided we had a beautiful home in Pensacola, Florida, very close to Johnson Beach. If you're familiar with Pensacola, it's one of the most beautiful beaches I feel in the country. Clear, turquoise water, white sand beaches. It was a 3,500 square foot home. It was our dream home. And we got it when I was like... Uh, an e5 uh, we got it on a short sale that i digress it was just it was a blessing that we got that home uh at the pay grade that i was but that's where that was our dream home that's where we were going to retire and w- after seeing all of this nonsense and my wife and i because of what happened to our son we were like fuck this we're all in till we get put in the dirt 
like whatever we are going to completely immerse ourselves in this world because we never ever 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 want another mother or father to feel like we felt and i promise you like i mean that from the bottom of my heart if there's if i ever start to lose passion or if i feel tired or i'm mentally or physically exhausted from the work we do all i have to do is remember how i felt in april of 2020 because it was the most dire dire of feelings as a dad it's so a major punch it, oh, it is. And I mean, just you feel like a failure, man. Every dad, not every dad, I, I take that back. Most dads, when they get off of their blue collar job or whatever they do, and they hang up their hard hat at night, and they scrape the fucking mud off the bottom of their boots, and they walk into the home that they can barely afford, and they see their kids sitting there, they know they hang their hat on one thing you know what my family's taken care of. You hear that out of men all the time. As long as my family's taken care of, I'm good to go. I don't care what I got to do. Yeah, I'll take that overtime shift. Yeah, I'll do this. Yeah, I'll do that. Well, imagine being that guy that has said that for all these years, and then I failed. Horribly, in the most horrible fashion. It's not that my son, you know, got in trouble with the law, like, it's the it's your parents' worst nightmare. Your my son was exploited by a man, and I had no idea. I had no idea. Anyway, uh, we sold our home in March of 2021, and found this lot of land down here on the Gulf Coast. It was a raw piece of land, 21 acres, that. If you if you if people know who my wife is or they find her on social media, uh, one, you're going to wonder how the hell did these two people end up married? <laughs> because I am I am very loud and obnoxious and I'm, I'm just let's just call it that I'm loud and obnoxious. And my wife, when people say that they're hippies in 2023, I don't mean like they have a peace sign T-shirt and like. They recycle their single-use plastics, and they call them... My wife is like a no-shit hippie. And that's very important when I move on to this next aspect, because she... For whoever can understand what I'm about to say, you'll totally get it. Like, she, she felt the vibe, the energy of this area, this piece of land was like, this is where we're going to build a place of healing. And... I knew what she meant doesn't mean that I fully understand. Like I, I don't, I don't get that all of, all of that, but I trust her. We've been together 25 years. She's never been wrong once. If that woman goes up and touches a tree and is like, Hey, we're going to make sure that this tree doesn't get knocked over when we clear the land. This, this tree is good for us. I'm like, uh, fucking all right, I guess I, it sounds good. Let's but go the, with it. It, it, it. That's exactly right. And men, if you have a wife like that, shut the fuck up and listen to him. Just take it. Take advice from this old crusty dude that's been married for 25 years to a no shit hippie. So we we buy this 21 acre or yeah, this 21 acre piece of land. And uh, we take all the money from selling the house that we had and we clear eight acres of it. 
we turned one of those acres into a training facility for call to rescue search and rescue team. So we always have to keep up our medical trainings like TCCC, Stop the Bleed, all those things. Like anybody that goes on SAR, uh, SAR ops with us, like there's all kinds of training and certification you have to have done. And I know I said earlier that we're not kinetic and we're not, but we do, we do have our, find ourselves in dangerous situations. Most people on our team are retired military, law enforcement, DEA. Um, so we do, I do have a small arms range that we did build out here and you have to qualify in order to carry a weapon, so on and so forth. But most importantly, so that's all the kind of the superficial stuff and the high speed cool things that everybody wants to talk about. But for me, the most important thing is we have constructed a tiny house village. So we have three tiny homes currently. Um, we are in the midst of constructing the fourth one. And we're in the, obviously as, as a legit 501c3. And before I move on, I'm going to put a pin in that and say something about nonprofits. I can't encourage you more to go. And if you hear somebody talking about working in the world of human trafficking and that they're a nonprofit and you should donate, please check up on, on like their status, their viability. You can, you can verify us through irs.gov. What we, what we have seen happen over the last four years is human trafficking became this huge buzzword. Nobody fucking talked about this in 2011, 2012. Like no one, no, no one dead, knew. It was a kind of a dead mute thing that nobody talked about it until the movie Taken came out. Then some that, people thought it, that it was is a exactly right. It's trending. It, that's what it was. And now it's just kind of exploded as this huge buzzword. And don't get me wrong, that's a wonderful thing. Awareness is wonderful, but with things that come onto the social scene and explode, there has been a lot of grifting. And I, nothing makes me more upset. One, as somebody who has gone through the pains of, of formulating a legitimate nonprofit, but as a father of a survivor, when I see people grifting money and fundraising to combat human trafficking, I am begging each of you, verify what it is those funds are going to, please. Because I've seen way too many GoFundMe accounts um, for people, and, may, and maybe they are, but I'll tell you what, if you, if you have a GoFundMe account, it's not a nonprofit. Like those two things don't go, they're polar opposites of each other. Right. Um, so I, I get, I, I'll take the pin out and move on. I just wanted to make sure, like, make, verify the status of organizations that you're pouring your volunteer hours into or your funds. That's so, exactly right. And that's one thing I always make sure to let everybody know is I verify a lot of the stuff I talk about. It, it make sure that you're not just taking somebody else's word for it because that's right. people aren't trustworthy. There are people out there that are going to take advantage of people in situations. Bro, I'm telling you, so TikTok has been a blessing and a curse because I kind of came on the whole TikTok scene about a year and a half ago now. And I, I was like, I couldn't believe how many people were talking about human trafficking. And as I started really paying attention 
and I'm seeing all these people that are quote unquote donate to this link as we combat human. And I would like, I just direct messages. I'm like, how are you combating? What is the, would you tell me what that means to you? Oh, well, we, we take this money and, and typically it's like one, I would either get blown off and blocked or two, it would kind of be this word salad that never led to them telling me where was this fun? Where were these funds going? Because I don't understand how combating human trafficking equates to you arbitrarily raising money on TikTok. And so, yeah, just just be careful, y'all. Please be careful. I'm not saying you got to donate to us, but I can give a number of organizations that do just this is very dark. It's very tedious. It's very thankless. It's monotonous. It's mentally draining work. And there are really, really good people that are doing this that typically but stay behind the scenes. But they have an organization that is verifiable that I would love to point you in their direction. So if you, if you ever wonder and you're like, I don't want to donate to the tiny house, dude, I'm cool with that. You can hit up Change Unchained's website and I'll, I'll email you back with a bunch of other things. So we got out here. We, we got out here in April of 2021. And it took us one year to get the first tiny house open. And it's like the floodgates open, brother. So we have a bunch of MOUs or memorandums of understanding with the, the area safe houses. And what will happen is, is if there is uh, somebody who is about to wrap up their safe house uh, stay, but they still need an additional buffer time to, again, like, I'll, I'll give an example of one of the girls that's out here right now. Okay. So no GED. No, uh, and you'll find this common. So survivors of human trafficking, typically they're pimps, traffickers, whatever you like to call them, assholes, will take all of their IDs, uh, birth certificates, social security, drivers, everything. They hold that ransom. And so when she came to us, she had no education, so no high school diploma, uh, no identification no doc no birth certificate no no nothing bro i mean just nothing wow and, and she has been going to school uh she takes her very i'm so proud of her I, I think i told you before we went on the air or maybe i told you i can't remember if it was before or after but you know she spent mother's day with us uh went out we went out bowling um but we're excited for her she takes her first exam towards her ged this thursday She's been going to school for three months. Uh, we got her birth certificate this week, which then in turn unlocks her ability to get her social security card. And in, in between GED classes out here on the ranch, uh, my wife and I have been teaching her how to drive and she'll go and test for her driver's license. And her goal is she, she has a desire to enlist in the Navy and be a corpsman like me. So we had a recruiter out here a couple weeks ago and we kind of set uh you know wickets that she's got to hit there's a plan with dates that she has to hit and achieve certain goals and during those times in the meantime as she's out here number one she's learning what true love is like my wife pours a lot into her they 
we have therapy animals out here. My wife teaches them how to grow food. We have a full, huge greenhouse and outdoor garden that they work in every day. We'll have community dinners together down at the tiny house village in the community area. And everybody will go and kind of pick their salad out of the garden. Uh, it, it's, it's a real beautiful thing, the, the, this whole community. And it lessens their vulnerabilities when they're ready to reacclimate back out into society. If, if these survivors learn a skill and don't have to rely on some John to take, quote unquote, I'll take care of you, girl. Listen, they're not going to take care. That's not what they mean. I, I assure you. By take care of you, they mean they're going to use you and abuse you right. in, order, in order to give you that one meal a day. Or in most cases, you're, you're strung out and they have you hooked on some sort of a drug and have you working, doing horrendous things in order to get that next hit. And so our whole thing is getting them a leg up that way when they are ready to relaunch back out into society, those vulnerabilities at least are minimized. And in two years now that we've been open, so May 2021, we brought in our first survivor. Uh, we have had six now total because they are allowed to stay three to six months depending on what the, what it is they need um and all of them the four that have so we have two here currently we've had four come and go and those four are thriving they're doing fantastic uh out in life and yeah that i know i, I think i talked the majority of this and i apologize oh you're fine kind of, that is where uh that is where the burn it down ranch comes in and people Another thing, like our slogan, burn it down, it's on all of our merchandise that we sell, of which all of it goes towards, you know, everything. But it's the construction of a tiny home. They get a spending stipend. They get X amount of dollars in, in a food allotment to go each month and, and get food. And that all comes through our nonprofit. And so at changeandchain.com, we have a store a merch store and a lot of our stuff says burn it down including that is the name of our ranch and there people have asked like what the hell does burn it down mean i was and, getting ready to ask what where did yeah. you come up with the name burn it down so about four or five years ago my wife and i were looking at a piece of land in colorado we fell in love with it wanted to buy it wanted to build a house there there was already a structure on it though that we were going to use as like kind of like a wood shop and I wanted it like that was the selling point for me. Like my wife can have whatever home she wants. Let me have my my little man cave, my wood shop where I can watch my chargers get their asses kicked every Sunday. <laughs> and I can. Yeah, I'm a huge Chargers fan. Shut up. I know they suck. I got it. Cincinnati Bengals fan right here. Uh, oh, well, boy, you have a lot to cheer about. Yeah, I do. Actually, for a change. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so this we have a friend go and do the inspection. And he went and the land was great, but you know, he, he gave me that look about the structure and I'm like, what? He's like, brother, that building is it fully infested with all kinds of shit. Um, termites has degraded that structural integrity. Like it's unrecoverable. And I'm like, listen, brother, like this was the thing that sold me on. Like without this, I don't know if I want this piece of land. Is there anything we can do to salvage this building? And his exact words to my wife and I were, sometimes things 
are so degraded that the best way to restore it is just to burn it down. And that's mm-hmm. that it always stuck with me because I, I don't know if uh, some people may get upset with me for what I'm about to say, but I make sure I say it anytime anyone gives me a platform. Um, whether it's religious institutions, whether it's our, uh, our judicial system, our school system, our, our child welfare system, there is a lot of fucking corruption in these institutions. And, and I mean a lot, and I, and I don't mean to make anybody, a lot of people get very upset when I bring up, you know, religious institutions and I'm not, I'm not hounding on you. Okay. I'm not hounding on you, but you need to be aware of what is happening in a lot of institutions that hold up a holy book, any holy book, but when doors are shut, there's a lot of abuse that's going on. And I personally feel, and that goes for political systems on both sides of the aisles. I'm so fucking fed up with either party. And I mean, both of y'all like you both of them together. They are just they're they're It's awful, brother. It's it's awful. And I really feel my wife and I feel that the only way that true change, like move the needle type of change, not these onesie twosie things. But if you want that needle to bounce in the right direction, everything, religious, government, welfare, all of it, we have to burn that bitch to the ground and start over. So that 100%. is where Burn It Down Ranch comes from. I love it. I love the, the correlation with all that. So I have a question. Uh, what made you want to become a minimalist? <laughs> coming from a, coming from the Navy and, and from yeah. the videos I've watched, I mean, I enjoy the fact that you guys are doing that, and it really inspires me to want to go and do that as well. So – <laughs> I, did, I, did, I, I had no intention I mean none if you would have told me five years ago Troy you were going to be like the spokesman for minimalism and tiny house living I would have thought it was an absolute farce um, but but I was when it got to my wife and I take away the travesty that happened with my son right because two big life shift happens in that small period of time when my wife and I became empty nesters um, in December of 2019, she had been talking about wanting to do this a long time. It's a very, it's a very hippie kind of lifestyle. You know, we grow a majority of our own food. I live in t- a 250 square foot tiny home that is a converted shed from Lowe's, right? So we're going from a 3,500 beachfront beautiful home to a shed it's a shed (laughs) i live in a shed right and 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 it's unless you've kind of seen the tour videos on my tiktok like you're probably wondering what the fuck is he talking no it's it's nice as, as far as sheds go but my wife had been wanting to do this and i was so exhausted from the rat race bro and i kind of had been running on fumes for a couple of years keeping up with the 30 year mortgage two car notes all of the all of the bills. I had some credit card debt. You know the normal American dream. You know what I'm saying? It's Absolutely. that's that's just that's just the normal. And my wife's like, my wife is not only a hippie, but she is incredibly financially frugal and smart. Like, 
very, very smart. And she's like, if you agree to just try, let's just try this lifestyle for this set of orders. So it was going to be three, a three year set of orders. Our first time is empty nesters. You know, we could be debt free by the time you retire. And, you know, we can just live off of, off of your pension. It's just, if I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to entertain it. And I had, you know, I had been a chief for a, for a few years at that point. I was on year 16, 17 of my career. And I was just beat the fuck up, man. I was running a million miles an hour. My wife is a surge tech. And we were still just kind of barely rubbing two pennies together. I'm like, this can't be, this can't be there all, all there is. Like, I'm fucking miserable. We're making, you know, 150000 a year between the two of us. And we're barely getting by. And I'm fucking unhappy. And uh, so she convinced me to make a radical life change. We, we put all of our belongings in two piles. Once and needs. And when I say every belonging, I mean every belonging. Every pair of socks, every tube of toothpaste, every piece of furniture. And whatever we said we agreed we didn't need to survive, we sold it. And selling all of that stuff allowed us to pay off almost all of our debt and gave us enough money to buy our very first tiny home. And what I lack now in living space, one, I'm outdoors all the times anyway, so my house is kind of 21 acres big. Uh, but what I lack in living space I make up for in lack of stress. Like my wife and I are debt free, like really debt free. I owe no one anything at all. I own my land. Yes, I pay property taxes until I my disability paperwork for my retirement goes through and then I won't even pay that. But all of our vehicles, all of our everything, we have a cell phone bill, we have a Wi-Fi bill, and we have a we are partially off grid so we have we are halfway to being fully off grid we have some solar power um so but we are tapped into the grid for a little bit our monthly bills are approximately 500 bucks a month and that and that is all and i don't ever want to leave it because that is a lot of rocks in a backpack that i carried for years that was weighing on my shoulders that i was like once I took it off, like I never want to put that bitch back on. You could never, oh, you, you couldn't gift me a mansion in a city. You couldn't give me it, and and would make me leave my shed in the woods. And if you know, if people, there are going to be people that understand that, but the majority are going to think that I'm batshit crazy. But if you talk to these survivors that are out here that have gone from, you know, we have a young lady out here that is from Las Vegas and has only lived in Las Vegas, has only seen the lights of Vegas and came out here and has just fallen in love with the, the peace and the serenity. And just the, there's something that nature does that no therapist could ever touch. And no, I'm not you're saying connected. you're connecting the therapy. Is, oh, bro, that's you said it. It is. It is a spiritual connection. And my wife is so in tune with that to a point that she can, she's able to sit with these ladies and kind of point them in a direction 
to to help with different traumas because I didn't bring it up, but my wife is a survivor as well. And again, I mean, I have permission to talk about that. So she was she was a, a female, a, a child that was exploited, and she has been able to work through that trauma and then pass on her uh, her plan of attack, for lack of a better term, to combat that, especially for the young women that come out here. And it's amazing to watch her navigate that and kind of watch everything go full circle from being a, a quote-unquote victim to being the one that's helping bring restoration to what seems like hopeless situations for a lot of people when they're in the midst of it. Absolutely. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, just your guys' entire story is should be enough motivation to get more and more people on board with what you are doing and get involved and expose the entire thing. Yeah. And human trafficking is not just something that happens just in the U S it's worldwide. And what we think is bad here in the U S it's a lot worse than a lot of other countries. There, there, there is one more thing I definitely want to make sure I don't forget to say, because I'm glad you brought that up. Human trafficking. Another thing I saw on TikTok with a lot of people was like where they think this happens, right? Like I need people to, to, to sit back for a second. I need everybody taking a deep breath because this is another thing that gets people kind of worked up. Yes, this happens with elites in Hollywood, yes, it, it happens here, but I need you to fucking listen to me, okay? This also happens a lot right next door with little Susie, who has an uncle that's trying to pay off a drug debt. And that little girl that's next door to you, and not on Epstein Island or some other thing, uh, or uh, being sold like she's a, uh, what was the other big conspiracy, like a Wayfair dresser? Uh, it, please understand that, like, even if, let's say all that shit's true, it doesn't minimize, like, the majority of this crime, it's happening all around you. It was happening in my own home. So just, you need to be mindful and have your eyes open to that instead of this tunnel vision of these big, grandiose schemes. Don't get me wrong, that, that deserves its own attention and justice. Let's get that. But let's also get justice for these other individuals that are all around you every day, all the time. Learn the signs. Learn the clues of somebody that's being abused. Know who you need to contact. And know how to get involved in this fight. Like, awareness is great, but there's got to be a time where you kind of step out of the comfort of making content and go and do things that are not going to get you any kind of eyeballs on you. You're not going to, you're not, no one's going to thank you for your service. No one's going to post a picture of you on Facebook. It, and you, you need to be okay with that because this, there's a lot of holes to fill. A lot of holes to fill. My, my uh, place I would point people to go, if you want to volunteer is uh, Guardian Ad Litem. So G-U-A-D-G-U-A-R-D-I-A-N, Guardian Ad, A-D, Litem, L-I-T-E-M. And that is for women. 
and you it's almost kind of like a big brother big sister but you're just a big sister for abused young girls and you will not be able to talk one lick about it on social media you'll have to sign ndas and so that will kind of tell you where your heart is in this fight because a lot of people need their public to say oh look how awesome you are and what you're doing and that's not what this world needs this world needs compassion it needs empathy it needs warriors and it needs people to get off their fucking asses and stop talking about it and start doing some action that's 100 percent. everybody needs to start doing more action less talking and i had uh, a couple questions for you uh yep. one with the uh, recipe care that the uh, survivors get uh how do they deal with addictions do they go through uh, uh re- rehabilitation for that yeah so so that's that that's a, that's a wonderful question so respite care is the is the link in the chain that kind of identifies those things so you get pulled out of a situation you go to respite care that's 24 to 72 hours and medical professionals will do once overs blood work urinalysis you know all of those things it's like a full physical and typically 99 percent of the time the people that are pulled out like they're not trying to hide the fact that they're not they're like help okay yes i am I've been on fentanyl for three years and then they can go to a, the state, there are state certified safe houses that have rehabs built into them. So there, there's a wonderful one that's in Utah that we've utilized before. Um, but there are certain re or certain safe houses that don't have a rehab involved. So to answer your question, depending on the addiction, will determine what type of facility is made available to them moving forward. Cause, gotcha. and, that's, and that's why we are on the backside of the safe houses. My wife and I are not professional anythings. We're not professional therapists, counselors. We are just, we are a couple of parents that is like, hey, we see a problem. We see a hole in the world, let's fill it. And if they came here and still were an active addiction, that would be a really bad thing because we've had calls like that. When people didn't truly understand what we did, they would be go, they were like, Hey, this young lady is in respite care needs a place to go. Uh, she'll need to, you know, go to treatment. And we're like, no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like how long has she been clean? Oh, she's not. I, well then, I mean, I'm sorry, but she can't, we're not, built for that like that requires like 24 7 medical you know coverage as they go through all of that stuff so hopefully that answers your question yeah uh, the reason why i ask because i spent 11 years in uh psych and addictions over 21 years i worked 21 years in medical and then you know i worked the 11 years of it in psych and addiction so i thought it was yeah and you know i've seen a lot of the people that came through for the psych part of it and the addiction part of it you know people who have been sexually abused and and things of that nature so i thought i'd I'd ask that question how they would get care for that as well and my last thing uh not that you really have time but have you seen the undercover underage uh television show 
undercover underage no yeah there's a lady by the name of Rue Powell. she runs an organization called sosa that's safe from online sex abuse and that's what she does she goes out and she travels around and they set up these sting operations to take down predators yeah and they pose themselves as underage girls or underage boys and then they're working with the police departments in those areas. This woman, she uh, she's the same way. She's She has backstory as well. And she started this uh, organization called SOSA, and they work with the local police departments wherever she goes, and they do these sting operations, and they will take these people down. And the, they are in their second season uh, of the show on Discovery ID, and uh, it's it's people like this, like you and your your wife Tiffany and uh, Jessica and uh, Amy for We Want the Names Foundation, and there's another one called One's Purpose. They go after human trafficking as well. Uh, we need more awareness on this, and we need more people to step up and do action, as you said. Yes. But I thought I would bring up the uh, underca- undercover underage and see if you had seen it or have you heard about it because it's really interesting. They go through all the things that they have to do to set up to do this stuff, and it's it's really intriguing and it makes you really want to get involved in this stuff. Yeah, it, because- you know the the Sean Ryan podcast just had a a really intriguing guest on his name is Ryan Montgomery. Uh, he calls himself an ethical hacker. He did a lot of bad things and switched over to doing good things. And they alive on the air. Uh, he does a lot of predator capturing as well. And he did, you know, the same technique we do establish a fake profile. And within 10 minutes, he had a gentleman ready to meet up and they did it live, like live on the air. He went. Yeah. He built the profile and got the got a man ready to meet him, full knowing full well that it was an underage girl, within ten minutes. Wow! Like you have no, it's brother. It's it is so 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 rampant. And if you if you don't mind, can I can I plug a couple things and kind of give some oh. people some outlets? Yes, please do it. So so if you're listening to this and you're like, that's great, Troy for bumping your gums for an hour and 15 minutes, but how do I get involved? This is what I I would suggest. Start off by going to our website. And no, I'm not going to push just us. Just, just hear me out. Go to changeunchain.com. So C-H-A-N-G-E-U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com. And on there is a contact us tab. There's a bunch of other things on there. There's a merch shop. There's an about us. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter for volunteer events down here in the Gulf Coast. But if you go to the contact us tab and you write down, you just email us saying, this is my name. This is what I feel I'm qualified to do. This is where my heart leads me to do. Because maybe you don't want to be on the, you know, get involved with search and rescue. Maybe you're more in the aftercare or more in respite care, or maybe you have a medical background that you want to volunteer your services to come out and, you know, give monthly checkups at different safe houses or whatever. We can, we are so in touch. Like there is a system that we have in this world that are all of the organizations talk. Like I can point you to an organization in Mississippi while I'm over here, you know, not in Mississippi. 
I'm trying really hard not to be, you know, blatant <laughs> for where the, you know, people can find out where our ranch is if they really want to dig. Um, but I just don't spit it out. But it, the point is that no matter where you live, if we have an opportunity in your area, we, my wife always answers within 48 hours. So changeandchain.com, go over there, look at what we're doing, look at our fundraising campaigns, you know, sign up for the newsletter if you and learn about opportunities or just see what we do each quarter. We're very, very transparent with donations. We think that's important uh, because of that thing I brought up earlier about, you know, the world being full of grifters. We make sure you see where every penny goes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think that's a good place for me to shut up. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, thank you to you and Tiffany for everything you do. You're welcome. And uh, let everybody where they can find you at. Yeah, so uh, as far as the organization goes, again, changeunchained.com. Change Unchained also has a very active TikTok account, at Change Unchained. Same for Instagram and same for Facebook. If you want to see my loud, obnoxious ass, uh, I am incredibly active on TikTok. So at Troy Ushofer, T-R-O-Y-U-L-S-H-O-E-F-F-E-R. And if you want to be friends with me on some other account that I never interact on, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and watch me never post. (laughs) All right, brother. I appreciate your time and continue to do what you do. And if you need anything... I'm, you know, willing to support you and promote you every day. I appreciate that so much. And on behalf of my wife and I, thank you for giving us your platform to share our story. And no problem. And tell Tiffany, happy Mother's Day. I will do. You have a good night, my friend. Okay. You too. That's the show, everybody. All right, everybody. You know how much I support and advocate for small businesses and organizations. Now, if you are a small business or organization and you would like for me to promote you on my podcast and add you to my link tree, please contact me at renegadesrantpodcast at outlook.com. Or you can get a hold of me through any of my social medias. Just direct message me. Now, I'm going to kick this off with Saints and Sinners Hat Company. This is ran by my buddy, Three Rows, and he has some badass hats on his site. He's got the Come and Take It hat. He has a We the People hat, Pedophile Hunter hat, a Take It Easy hat, a Tinfoil hat. Just go check out his site and order you a hat today. PatriotFishingGear.com Now, this used to be PatriotFishingGear.us, but Donnie has now changed it to .com. It's ran by Donnie. He has some badass custom tumblers. He has some really awesome hats and shirts on his site. He is also in the process of making rods and reels, so please go check out his site today. Star Spangled Designs. This is ran by Misfit Amy. She is making some pretty badass custom patriotic jewelry. So please go check out her site and check her awesome kick-ass custom jewelry out. It's patriotic. Go get you some. 
fedupgear.com. You also, while you're there, check out all his kick-ass gear. He has some pretty badass hats and shirts as well. Also, we're going to talk about these organizations I support. Change Unchained. This is ran by Troy and Tiffany. Now, Troy and Tiffany are actually involved in going out and combating human trafficking. They go out and they help recover those who are being trafficked and sexually exploited. They have a burn-it-down ranch with tiny homes to help the survivors get back on their feet and get back into society. They teach them trades. They teach them how to drive. They help them get their GEDs. This is a badass 501c3. They do it all. They are there to help the victims. We have We Want the Names. This is ran by Jess and Amy and their badass team of patriots. Uh... They are dedicated to fighting for the survival of human rights. They have just launched a Guardian project, and it's designed to unify and educate members about child sex trafficking and Western cultural attacks on parents and minors. Also, protecting children from online pedophiles, uh, damaging gender-affirming care, Teachers with uh, radical ideologies that they're teaching in these schools. Uh, doctors with financial agendas. And, of course, our extremist politicians and their bullshit. Next up, we have Lady Liberty Foundation. This is ran by Larry and Noel. Uh, this organization is dedicated to bridging the gap between active military veterans, first responders, and giving them the everyday resources that they desperately need. Uh, they're founded by some God, God-fearing patriots who value sacrif- the sacrifices that uh, these heroes have made for America. So please get involved. We need you to help our veterans, our active military, and the first responders. It's imperative that we help our heroes. And lastly, One's Purpose. Now, this is ran by Joni. Uh, They are dedicated to helping survivors of uh, sexual trafficking. Uh, They're offering them refuge and relocation. And they also do uh, long and short-term programs throughout the U.S. to help get them into places where they can get the help that they need and to help protect them and keep them from going and falling back into this. So these are the organizations I am supporting. I am also supporting podcasts. Now, if you've been listening to me, you know that I am tied to the hip with a little extra Lambo podcast. Uh, Lambo got me involved. He got me started with my podcast. I am just thankful that he has got me to where I am today. Thank you, Lambo, and continue to have a kick-ass show and continue to promote me. Thank you. Also, there is the Nursing Underground podcast, and that's ran by Gray State Revolution. Uh, Gray State Mafia, as you know him, Big Dave. Uh, A very great podcast for those who are in the medical field, 
start listening to it. And those not in the medical field, please listen to him as well because he puts out the information about what's going on in healthcare today. He has a surprise coming out. Can't say what it is, but it's going to be big. And when he does, I'm going to be behind it. And lastly, last uh, is a, a Man Apart podcast. Now, A Man Apart has a very intriguing podcast. Now, he goes and he does all these podcasts on people who have been attacked sexually uh, by pedos and by murderers. And it's a very, very dark, complected uh, podcast that brings to light things that these victims go through, no matter what they have been through as far as sexual trafficking to the sexual assaults to the ones who have been murdered by these people. Now, please go check these podcasts out. Last but not least, we got to get Freedom Stick on here. I'm a huge advocate for this man. He has a virtual workshop that will teach you everything you need to know about preparedness and what you need to do. If you need an action plan, this man will walk you through it. If you have an action plan, he will find all the holes in your action plans. So please go check out Freedom Sticks Virtual Workshop. And that being said, thank you for listening to the Renegades Rant Podcast. I am very happy to those who are listening and who are following the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Renegades Rant Podcast. Find the Kentucky Renegade Patriot on TikTok and Instagram, as well as the Renegades Rant Podcast on Pandora, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, as well as Anchor.fm.